Well, hi there, folks. Welcome to the Manacast. Conversations about a vision of life that is truly good news for us, for our neighbours, and for the world. My name is Matt Anslow, and with me is Jonathan Cornford. And this is a brand new podcast. Welcome. Thanks for taking the time to try us out and see if you like what we're what we're doing here. Really, this podcast is an expression of the work of uh, Managum. So what I'll do is I'll hand over to Jonathan now. Jonathan, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and a bit about what Managum is? Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, and I should say welcome to you, Matt, now as Managum's second employee, uh, which is a big step for us. So Managum is a ministry that my wife Kim and I set up uh, 11 years ago now. Uh, and it's essentially a ministry where we we and a whole bunch of other people around us uh, try to explore the connections between faith, economics, ecology, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, essentially, what, what are the implications for uh, the Christian message for how we live in in this in this strange world that we find ourselves in. And and who are you, Jonathan? Tell us a bit about yourself. Oh, who am I? I'm a I'm a I'm a guy in Bendigo, uh, currently looking out my window at some lovely bush. Um, uh, who, who am I more than that? Well, my, my background is in political economy. Uh, that's what I studied. Uh, did a doctorate at university, and then I went to the, into that uh, aid and development field. Spent a fair bit of time. Uh, working on development issues in in the Mekong region of mainland Southeast Asia, uh, and that really opened my eyes to the the nature of, in which economics and ecology and human well being are all bound up in one single complicated picture, and they're not separate subjects at all. Uh, and that started me on a journey going back into the Bible, into exploring those things, uh, and and that and that's really the journey Manigam's been following for the last decade or so. What about you, Matt? Who are you, who are you, Matt? Who am I? Uh, yeah, so hi, folks. My name's Matt. I grew up in, in Sydney, Australia, but nowadays I find myself uh, living on a, a farm, kind of a hobby farm type thing in a place called Canimbla. It's kind of on the border of the Blue Mountains uh, and the central west of New South Wales, kind of two hours west of the centre of Sydney. I live here with my wife, Ashley, and our three young children. We've got a daughter who just turned five and a three-year-old twin boys. My studies have generally been in theology. I've got a PhD from Charles State University, uh, and I've also been uh, doing some further work in uh, philosophy as well. Uh, so I'm a bit of a nerd in that way, but I, <laughs> I uh, have worked uh, across a range of areas uh, in church ministry and community development and I've worked in the international development sector for a while as an educator. Uh, I currently work as a lecturer in a Bible college. So yeah, I've done activism, especially refugee activism. So I've been all over the place in terms of the things that I've been up to in my working life. But yeah, it's nice to be here and, and to be kicking off this little project. So before we begin, we just want to acknowledge country, uh, acknowledge the traditional owners of the places from which we come. So here uh, where I am, the central or the border of the Blue Mountains, the central west of New South Wales, Australia, the traditional owners here are the Gundungurra people and the Garag people. And so I want to pay my respects to their elders past and present. And Jonathan, where are you? So I'm talking to you from Bendigo, Matt, in central Victoria. 
So this is the land of the Jarrah people who are part of the Jar Jawarung language group, which is part of the larger grouping of languages known as the Kulin Nations in, in Victoria. Yeah, and so they're the peoples who are the traditional custodians of this land and are actively involved in the care of the country here as well. All right, thank you. This is how this is going to work, folks. Once uh, a quarter or so, Managum puts out a an edition of something we call Mana Matters. It's our quarterly publication, and in that uh, in that publication, we generally have about four articles. What we want to do with this podcast is just to be able to discuss those articles in greater depth than we might otherwise be able to do in the print version itself, and so. What we're going to be doing for this episode is starting off with the first article from uh, edition number 33. And Jonathan, that is an article by you. It's part two of a set of articles, actually, that you've entitled The Moral Ecology of Judgment. Yeah, it's a bit of a daunting title, isn't it? It is. It is. And what I'm interested in beginning with is to get you to tell us why you decided to call this set of articles the moral ecology of judgment. I'm interested in that word ecology. What what are you getting at with that title? Yeah, uh, look, it's uh, a good question, Matt, uh, because you said obviously the, the subject matter of the article is judgment, which is uh, a very difficult concept for us to discuss these days. And I think more difficult now than it's perhaps ever been just the very idea of what we mean by judgment, uh, even in our casual language, let alone when we, if we're trying to think about biblical ways of thinking about judgment. It's hard, a hard concept for us to come at, but I think uh, a necessary one, that's the reason for the articles. And, and one of the things which most helps us to get there, actually, is ecology. Uh, and by that, and I... I, I discuss this a, a small amount in the article, but there's so much more to, that could be said. There's, there's two reasons for that. Is One is the very obvious reason of the ways in which what's happening to our planet right now draws us to think about this subject matter. So I'm thinking particularly in relation to climate change and all the, the, the multidimensional forms of ecological crisis uh, that we're experiencing across the planet and in Australia. Our last summers here were particularly uh, devastating set of bushfires, which put this all very much to the front of all of our minds. So uh, ecology and our understanding of the interrelationships between things, that if we do this to the landscape, if we do this to forests, then they have impacts of this and that sort, and they come back at us, uh, sometimes with a vengeance, the, the impacts of our human actions. That So ecology is revealing to us more than we've perhaps ever understood before the interconnectedness of the biosphere. And that's a really helpful concept for helping us to understand the concept of judgment. Uh, and I don't mean that in a sense that it's just uh, an interesting parallel, I think it actually takes us into the heart of the subject matter of what we're talking about when we talk about judgment, which is the concept of morality and 
morality is one of those things which we can, uh, as soon as we start talking about it, there's all sorts of ways in which we can get mixed up. All right, so we'll get to the judgment aspect in a second and we'll talk more about that and and morality and how it all works together with ecology. But you, at the start of this article, talk about an interesting experience that you had on Facebook when you posted this article originally uh, and the reaction that you got. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, it was was, uh, sort of pretty amusing, really. Um, So I have... The preface to this story is I'm I'm a complete Facebook novice. I've only just even been able to come at the the idea of using Facebook, so I, I don't know too much about how it works. In posting this story, I did something that was suggested to me by some other people and used there's a, a button when you make a Facebook post where you can boost the post and you pay like $10 or $12 or something and it boosts it. And I did that without any more... Uh, thought about <laughs> how I boosted, and it just you didn't target it very, uh, very accurately. I I didn't target it at all, <laughs> so it just went, and and everyone appreciated, obviously. Yeah, the, the the post consisted of the words judgment in the headline words, and I uh, unthinkingly included a picture of of the our last summer's bushfires in as the the the, the image that went, went with it because I discussed that's the opening thing I discuss in in the post is a bushfires and the word judgment with a picture of flames just went being sent out to all these people of no context just immediately assumed that I was saying uh, that uh, the bushfires was God's judgment on whatever they each had their own bents on what I was probably saying and a few of them just assumed I was asking for money or or whatever, but uh, it, it yes got quite a interesting and strong reaction from people who didn't obviously didn't read the article and 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 I guess why would they? Yeah, right. And there were there were numerous expletives used. I understand. Yeah, 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 and some a couple of interesting gifs, <laughs> not not all of which I entirely understood, but a couple were amusing. Uh, but so that was perhaps <laughs> as as much a product of my um my uh, inadequate use of Facebook. Uh, but it, I think it, it was a reasonable indication also of the touchiness of the subject. Right. And, right. and also I think a, 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 a good caution that there's plenty of ways and we have to be careful with the subject matter because even to this day and throughout Christian history, there have been lots of bad, bad ways in which judgment has been talked about. And I should have been a little bit more cautious in, <laughs> in how I put that into a Facebook post. Right. I, look, I had a similar experience uh, at the end of last year. I wrote an article for Eternity News uh, and I somewhat provocatively titled it, Are the Bushfires Judgment from God? And anyone who read the article n- knows that uh, at least in the way that most people understand that, I, my answer was no. Uh, and I, I probably was saying something in that article similar to what you're saying in this article, I think. But what was fascinating was just how few people actually read the article before <laughs> before they commented on it. And, yeah. you know, there were people going, oh, this is disgusting without having read it. But also, quite interestingly, there were those who were like, oh, yes, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. they were and, affirming what I was saying, even though I hadn't actually said what they thought I was saying. And uh, perhaps not the affirmations that you actually wanted from that article. No, no, that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. So why do you think, though, uh, this, this raises an interesting question. Why do you think that there is 
often such a fiercely antagonistic response when we talk about judgment today? Well, in one sense, it's not just judgment, it's any sort of touchstone issues, I think. So we're seeing two things. One is uh, the just the increased volume and shrillness of all public, I was going to say public dialogue, but you can't call it dialogue. It's becoming public shouting matches. And that has something to do with the medium, uh, the media by which we those things happen, that the nature yeah, yeah. Uh, whether it's uh, the social media that it's happening over or even just the way that the, the professional media, even newspapers, the way they're structured to present debates in terms of the most antagonistic forms to sell sales news. It's a product, I think, of, of the media in one sense, but and our, our, the real difficulty we have for finding ways and forums of actually having careful, long an in-depth and ongoing conversation with people who, with whom we don't necessarily agree, but need to have some sort of conversation. Uh, I think we're we're in a in a very difficult place uh, with that in our times. In in relation to the specific content of judgment, I think we can say that that is also a, a subset of a more specific backlash against most Christian language, most biblical language. Right, yeah, yeah. In our in our culture, in most advanced Western cultures, but I think particularly in Australia. And and you'd have to say in it actually brings us to the to the concept of judgment. I think that very fact is mm. a judgment upon and a just judgment in many ways upon many of the deep and past failings of the Christian church. Uh, and therefore the ways in which this language has been used and we could just keeping it to, to judgment, the ways in which the language of judgment has been used to uh, basically batter down other people, often the weak, weaker people to do all sorts of terrible things, uh, both in our long history, but even in our more recent history, the way that sort of language has been used quite in quite ugly ways means that there's mm. quite been quite an understandable reaction to it. And I, and I think even um, the ways in which within the Christian world themselves, that the thinness by which we ourselves have understood most of the key language and the key concepts that we derive from uh, the Bible and our the very sorts of two-dimensional versions of them that we are generally presented by Christians and don't stand up to much scrutiny or or tough debate right right and so for many christians in i don't even know how long this has gone on but we've tended to talk about judgment as simply that god is punishing sin or whatever often in a fairly indiscriminate way and you know it's simply a matter of uh, a direct line between our moral failings and the fact that God is directly taking a- taking action against those things. Yes. And that has been used, obviously, in a particular way against certain communities. We think of the homosexual community, uh, for example, being a really awful uh, instance of the way the church has used that language against people. And, and it's had a significant effect. So, <laughs> I mean, that raises the obvious question is, what do you mean by judgment? Well, that's what <laughs> that's what I'm going to spend been spending like three articles to try and and fill out. In 
probably drawn and so i should should note that this is a second article in in a, in a series uh, and if people want to find these they can go to the the Manigam website and find part 1 and part 2 what what i mean by judgment the the thing i'm trying to draw attention to which i think is at the heart of the biblical idea of of judgment is a very simple concept actually it's in it, one that we all ascribe to and know in some form or another and that is that all actions have consequences and we understand that in a physical universe so we're very good at uh at being reductive to the physical universe and you know the snooker ball effect if you shoot with the cue you hit the white ball and it you propel it towards the red ball it's we know when it hits a red ball it's going to propel the red ball at a certain certain angle of incidence to the strike of the white ball we know that these are inevitable once you've set one thing in motion. These things are going to happen. So basically, uh, the biblical concept of judgment is that the same thing applies for the moral universe, except when I say the moral universe, I don't mean something, uh, and certainly the, the Bible doesn't recognize it as something that's separate or sits on top of as a, a distinct layer from the physical universe, but it's actually something that is fundamental to the physical universe so that the causes yeah. and, and and effects, the actions and consequences that we set in play in the real world of matter all have some sort of moral meaning and consequence in a bigger picture. And that's because they all involve acting upon other things, other people. They all have impacts in an interconnected system. So whatever we, ever we do has consequences for other parts of the picture, uh, for other parts of creation, to use the theological term. Uh, and that is the definition of, as I've come to un understand it, of morality, is the nature of our relationships and our obligations to the rest of existence. And that was all ordered uh, to and by our relationship to the creator, that is the, the thing that underpins uh, existence, God. Yeah, and what I love about that way of seeing it is it, it makes out uh, or, or it asserts that morality is not arbitrary, that the commands that we see in, say, scripture or um, the, you know, the things that we assert by reason uh, as morality are not there for no reason as if God commands things just because God feels like it. Uh, sometimes it feels like that's what we think about morality or certainly that's the way it's often perceived yes. that God just, you know, but the wider world just looks at what Christians believe about things and thinks, well, you know, that seems unnecessary. That doesn't mean anything in the 21st century. You know, you hear these kinds of things, you know, this yes. is 2020. Uh, we don't believe that stuff anymore. And there's a sense that, all oh, it's all arbitrary. It doesn't matter. But, you're saying there's a connection between morality and the world and that I, and I assume what you are getting at is the fact that God commands us to live in a certain way for the health and and well-being of of the world of nature of ourselves and all the rest yeah exactly and and even you know yes uh, so you use the word commands which is certainly the language of the old testament and even in the new testament but more uh, I think fundamentally that the problem for us with that that word is the way we've been trapped into thinking about morality is it's about just doing what what got doing the right thing by God when actually really and it, it's morality is 
in a in a deeper sense the attempt to align ourselves to reality which is the thing which ultimately is good for us so when we use that word good it's it only has meaning in relation to what as a a created being gives us life and fulfills our created being and purpose we're all created with a certain form of identity and being and purpose so morality is the thing that describes us fulfilling that in relation to the rest of created being uh, if that makes sense i feel like we've just got oh, no. really heavy really quickly matt no. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's episode one. Welcome, folks, uh, to the Manacast. Um, no, but that—that's a oh, it's such a good point because I think even many Christians, particularly um, certain brands of Protestantism, of which you know we we both uh, are, you know we we're both Protestants. Many Protestants they would make out as if what is good is simply what God commands, and that God is sort of it's almost like God is arbitrary in these things. Uh, yes. That there's no sort yes. of essence to God. That there's no essence to what goodness is. It's just whatever God decides to do at any given point, because God is free and sovereign or whatever. That that is is good. But but you're taking a very different kind of line to that where. There's something objective and essential about goodness that is found in God and God's commands, and that it's not arbitrary. There's actually there's something to it, and that it leads to health and well-being for for creation. Yes, and and at the centre of it all has to be and is love. So morality means nothing if it's not actually uh, the free will response of love to seeing the others of creation and especially the creator and the, the the free will delight and response of of love to want to do the best for all of those things and it turns out in the great economy of god that that being in that position of of love is what is best for us it's where we find our own salvation our own healing our own goodness and health and so would you say in a sense that one way we could talk about judgment is calling us back to to that goodness and that love? At, at its heart, yes. Yeah. So another simple way of maybe saying what, what judgment is, is it's that moment, and this is, I think, particularly true in the Old Testament, but it's also, and particularly also true of what happens in the gospel stories in the New Testament. And I'm going to talk about the gospels in the next article. But uh, just keeping it to the Old Testament, judgment is that moment when reality is uncovered. It's when we're confronted, when we've lived as if we've ignored all the connections of our existence and, and the, the consequences of our actions. And judgment mm, is that yeah. moment is when it all comes back on us because we, we, we simply cannot avoid the consequences that we set in motion in an interrelated universe and cosmos. Once you set things in motion, they set other things in motion. And judgment is that way of describing those moments when it all comes back. Whereas in the past, we've been able to evade them or uh, pretend they're not real. Uh, judgment is that moment when it all comes crashing down. And that's the moment I think we face ourselves with climate change and the other forms of ecological collapse we're seeing. And we can no longer evade the actions, the consequences of human action in the planet. We've seen in at the value of being environmentally concerned in quotes as a moral question. Do you really need to be? How much do you need to be? How much is of it of a value? This is the point where all those 
discussions about how we balance environmental concern with other concerns become meaningless and we see actually how fundamental it is to our reality. Yeah, and uh, look, another example that is pretty obvious to us right at the moment, as we record this podcast, we're in the season of uh, you know coronavirus and especially for you guys in Victoria, you've had a pretty rough trot uh, recently, you've been under pretty serious lockdowns as you've, you know, your state has been trying to flatten the curve. And so, you know, <laughs> it's a strange time that we find ourselves in as we record this. But one of the things I think we can see as we look around the world is the way that different understandings of human life and human freedom and the value of, you know, our life, how that affects the way in which we see, or it affects the consequences of a country's response to coronavirus. Yes, absolutely. And and we could take that further and say uh, the health of our political systems in being able to negotiate challenges like this, the health of our public debate, uh, when you have a moment like this, those things aren't just abstract matters for intellectuals to consider they have very real uh, imp- implications for how yeah, well yeah, we yeah. can negotiate these challenges. Yeah, that's right. So in the case of coronavirus, we have this uh, epidemic that has swept the whole world. I don't think there's a country that hasn't been affected in some way. And in a sense, it's revealing what has been there the whole time. Our, our different views of what is, you know, what is important, what is valuable, uh, what is a human life worth, whether our personal freedoms trump the good of the community. And so we see some countries or a state like Victoria, where you are, uh, Jonathan, that, yeah, look, there have been voices that have spoken against the lockdowns for sure. But I think the vast majority of people seem to have been okay with the fact that for the protection of the community, a lockdown was necessary for a time. And they saw the curbing of their own freedoms as necessary to that. But in other places, we see communities that are so focused on their own rights, personal rights and their own freedoms, that actually their countries are suffering greatly as a result of those almost, I'd call them idolatrous concerns, really. Uh, And so in a sense, based on what you're saying about judgment, judgment has come, reality has been unveiled, and people have been given a choice to live in a way that uh, seeks the good of others, that seeks to love others or to not. And we see the consequences of those choices. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's right. So I think that the health of our social culture, things that as abstract as these have, have very real world consequences. Just on, on the Victorian example in Australia, I guess you had in the back of your mind what's happening in the US and their experience of things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I, I also want to say it's really hard to talk about this stuff while you're, while you're in the middle of it. Mm. And although... Uh, well, I certainly wouldn't want to be in the US at the moment. I'm not sure we've we've got it right either, whatever that means. And I don't even know what that means. But my hunch is that as we wash out the longer term consequences in the a number of years, we're going to find a number of ways in which our our own response to this pandemic has betrayed some of our own particular ill health in our political system. But I think that's probably a rabbit hole we don't want to go down today, Matt. And <laughs> Oh, I'm tempted, Jonathan. I, I, I'm very tempted to, to go down that rabbit hole, but you're right. This is not the time for that. I don't even feel ready to, to, to send, send my mind there. <laughs> Look, I mean, you know, I was going to ask you where you see this dynamic of judgment playing out today. You've mentioned climate change. We've talked about coronavirus. Are there other things that come to mind for you where we see 
judgment happening in the way that you've talked about? Well, I, I think the and I'm, I'm going to steal my thunder a bit for the next article here because this is something I will mention in the right, right. next article. One of the really critical ones for uh, us Christians to get our head around is what I've already mentioned is that I think the church in the West particularly is in a moment of judgment itself and we need to come to terms with this so that in uh, we face in a lot of ways um, uh, quite a strong uh, anti-Christian backlash sounds too strong. It's not quite what I want to say, but I think you get the sense that that there's a, a deep suspicion about the language of Christian religious faith, and I, I've experienced this numbers of times where, in just talking about some things, I've where I've used some more religious language, and I mean one thing, and I'm trying to explain that, but where, and I th- thought I've tried hard to explain it, but the person I'm listening who's listening to me has heard something completely different, sometimes the complete opposite of what I'm trying to suggest, e.g. the, the, the Facebook guys <laughs> who, who just assumed about what I was saying around judgment. Um, and I've had that experience a number of times. And I, th- right, right, yeah. and I think that's one of the judgments upon how the church has behaved and how it has talked over centuries and it, even up until recently with the Royal Commission into Child Abuse and those sorts of things. Yeah, of course, yeah. And... I think if we're going to be people who have a real concern for the gospel, for good news, that there really is good news in the way of Jesus that needs to be communicated to the world, we also have to go through this moment of judgment, which is tied to a moment of repentance, which requires actually seeing into why we are where we are, how we got here, what actually we did wrong and how we need to turn to, to a new path, a different way of doing things. So we need to learn our lessons, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. If we're, if we're to get through this moment of judgment. So I think that's a really important one. And the other area where I think uh, judgment is going to be a really important concept for us to see is what I've also mentioned is in the realm of political uh, society in our in our country and the world, how the, the shape of our political dialogue and our inability to have certain sorts of conversations well will have all sorts of impacts, uh, as we've already started to see with coronavirus, but in all sorts of ways for us. So so that's another area where I think the concept applies quite acutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, um, we could rabbit on about this a lot more, I suspect, uh, a lot more rabbit holes that we could go down uh, even beyond coronavirus, but we we simply don't have time. So we'll wrap it up there. Folks, if you want to uh, check out the article that we've kind of been riffing on in this episode, you'll be able to find it on the Managum website, managum.org.au. And if you go to the Manor Matters uh, section of the website and you'll find uh, edition number 33 there, you'll see the part two of the article, The Moral Ecology of Judgment. You can read part one in edition 32. But thanks for being with us and hopefully uh, this was an okay start to the Manacast and we'll uh, be back next time to talk about an article by me in the latest edition actually called Consuming Desire. We'll see you then. Catch you later. Mm-hmm.